Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? And David. And this week we've got 1988's Coming to America. An extremely pampered African prince travels to Queens, New York and goes undercover to find a wife whom he can respect for her intelligence and will. This is classic Eddie Murphy. Uh, yes. And this came after Trading Places. For a lot of people, this is actually more Eddie Murphy's classic movie than Trading Places, some might say. Uh... This format for him is revisited a lot. Well... Particularly the fact that this is the first film that he played multiple roles in. Yes. And he started doing that a lot. Yeah, uh, this particularly is... Particularly Nutty Professor and all that. Training Places launched him into Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours mm-hmm. and those types of... But he was sort of the buddy, uh, funny guy role. Yeah. This was the first... He's going to be the full lead, and he's, he's going to show his range while doing that. Yes, he's the, he's the straight man, and then he's also the comedic relief. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, it was directed by John Landis, who Eddie Murphy actually picked. I mean, it makes it, it makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, I can think about it being the late 80s. He's got this new idea for a movie he wants to do. He wants somebody he knows and trusts can do it. Why not go back to the guy who gave him his biggest hit ever? Mm-hmm. So that that makes sense for him to to go talk to Landis to do it. Well, actually, John Landis and Eddie Murphy didn't get along. And after this movie, Murphy was like, uh, I'm never working with this guy again. And then they were able to make up and they did Beverly Hills Cop 3 in 94. And see, I would want to say that John Landis went into movie jail because of what happened during the Twilight Zone, but... Um, I don't know that story. Um, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. One of the actors, I think it was Vic Morrow. Anyway, this legendary um, movie actor mm-hmm. from a long time. There's a scene in the movie where they are getting kids out of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And there was a helicopter. Mm-hmm. During the scene, uh, Landis A was on cocaine. Most of the crew was on cocaine. Mm-hmm. Fine. And... They knew the shot was dangerous. The stunt guys were warning him not to do it. He was being an ass and told Vic Moore to go out. The helicopter failed. The rotor blades hit him because it was a real helicopter mm-hmm. and killed him on the set. Oh, nice. And there were years of litigation. Oh, I'm sure. Coming out of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think anything came out of it. He was found completely innocent of all charges, which... It was bad. It's a really weird area. It's a really um, awful thing. Um, but, you know, he then also kept making movies and did Spies Like Us and Three Amigos. So, what do I know? Okay. So, do you have anything, any particular comments about the direction of this film? Damn it, this movie's slow. It is too long. It is a two-hour movie. It should be an hour and a half tops. I... There are Mack truck-size gaps between set pieces in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, halfway through, again, I 
it wasn't like Scream where I really did just give up because I'm yes. trying to make myself engaged. No, I understand. But there, but I was just like, I can just do whatever on my phone right now because not, I, I can tell nothing's going to happen for the next three minutes. It took way too long for us, for us to get from Zamuda, where uh, Akeem, Eddie Murphy's character, is from. Yeah. And set up his conflict and get him to America. That should have been... 20 minutes it's almost an hour can i say this though that's my favorite part of the movie that's almost everybody's favorite part of the movie because it's just so out there and ridiculous and and fun at the same time the first 45 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. have the moments everybody talks about from the movie in it yeah. and are genuinely funny mm-hmm Everything else is this pretty straightforward, no nonsense romantic comedy. Yes, who that then get tied up together at the very end for the last ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. You sh- you needed to tighten up the middle and tighten up the front because it's all fine. I'm fine with the story. I'm fine with all of the elements, but it's too long. Well, I'm kind of fine with the story, but I just I don't understand why. We've made this ridiculously out there movie. I honestly, we we'll talk about that in writing because I don't know that that's necessarily John Landis's fault. Though we've got to tie it somewhat to him because we had the same comment about trading places. It it was a little not bit as, better, not as much, not as much. But we did recognize this movie's a little too long. True. There there were plenty of gaps where we were like, this doesn't need to take this long to get to the joke. <laughs> well, it was written by the story was by Eddie Murphy. And it was written by David Sheffield and Barry W. Blaustein. We got any former credits for them? Or? Uh, they went on to do The Nutty Professor. Um, they did Police Academy. It looks like Police Academy 2. So, it sounds, so it sounds and like they, Eddie, Eddie Murphy really wrote this script, but he wasn't getting the credit. Correct. He was, I, I guarantee you, he was the third screenwriter, but those guys were there to make his story into a screenplay. That's uh, why he got that credit. Sheffield is a former SNL writer. Okay. That's how the, all these guys know each other. That's And they went on to do all of the Police Academy and Beverly Hills stuff. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So that's my problem. I There's this whole element in the movie, and mm-hmm. people who've seen it know this, that he's lying to this girl that he's poor. That whole thing should have been taken out of the movie. Because for me, that... That wacky zaniness, or that sort of supposed slapstick farce part of it. Yeah, he didn't have to be destitute. He could have just been not wealthy. He should have just been a. It could have just been a fish out of water story. Mm-hmm. That didn't need to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that because it's not an interesting storyline to pursue. I'm saying it because they didn't do it well. Correct. They sort of muddled their way through it, mm-hmm. and they should have gone one way or the other. Oh, I agree. Um, and it so it just it, the, again the first forty five minutes of this movie have all of the moments between Randy Jack, Randy Johnson and sexual chocolate, mm-hmm. the barbershop, um, the Reverend, and and you know all the all the stuff in Zawanda. All of that happens in the first third of the movie. The rest of it is just kind of this mediocre romantic comedy that I don't really care about. Mm-hmm. And the hope, I guess, is that you've bought into these characters enough that it works. And unfortunately, it just doesn't. I don't have enough pay in to the characters in order to make that work. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. It's, it's just, it's still fun. I still think it's fun. It has great moments. Yes. And I, I totally recognize that. Um, it just gets, you know, like I said, it's all front loaded. It's too long. Yeah. Okay, so let's do our cast. Okay. So we gotta start with Eddie Murphy. The man is a brilliant comedic actor. Yes. And, you know, just don't let him write the script. Yes. And also <laughs> just don't be involved with him as a personal person, because he's a dick. Well, yeah, we knew that. But there's this element of, like, he's one of those people who, he's that good, mm-hmm. you just gotta get over it. No, I get that. I mean, and also, he's not a dick in the way that some people recently we found out are. Oh, no, he's... Oh, yeah, he kind of is. Oh, remember the whole thing with Dreamgirls? Yeah. He left the Oscars when he didn't win. Yeah. He got up out of his seat and left. On the flip side... That's fucking lame. Well, on the flip side, I'm just like, if I don't win, why am I here? I get it. No, it's just one of those things where it's just like, you just got recognized... I get you having that perspective on things, and I'm not that person. I totally agree that it is a dick move. It's a but dick I also, move. but it's poor loser move. That's if, what it is. Mm, I don't think it is. Oh, I th- it is. No, I think it truly is. If I- I'm here for this, mm-hmm. and if I don't win, why bother staying? I seriously think it's that type of arrogance. Because you're oh, it, absolutely, it's definitely arrogance. But it's not. But it's not sore. It's it's something different than being a sore loser. Mm-hmm. It's a if it's not about me, then why do I care? Goodbye. Yeah, and I'm done. That's all he cared about. So I, it's one of those double-edged swords where it's kind of like I I, I get it, mm-hmm. but he is who he is, and he's always been that brilliant. He's been doing it since he was in his teens. I know he's always been that way. So. <laughs> Um, but the the thing is, he didn't have the goods to back that up when he was nominated. Well, no. He didn't have the career anymore. This was his comeback, and he, I think he really threw it down the toilet by being a dick to everybody about it. It didn't help that Beyonce thought she was hot shit and should have gotten an Oscar nomination. It's like, this movie's not about you, girl. And Whatever. And Jay had got it instead. I've funny. never seen it. I'm You've dead. never seen Dreamgirls? No. Wow. I, I did not care one way or another about it. I just didn't. We, yeah, that was, you know, I remember seeing that around Christmas. I hate musicals. We've established this. <laughs> this is wrong. Um. Okay, so let's move on to James Earl Jones, who plays King Jaffe Joffer. He's just very James Earl Jones in he this. He is James Earl Jones. I don't know. It doesn't quite work because he needs to be a little bit more arrogant i think as a character and he's being just more regal okay well what's funny is the woman who plays his wife mm-hmm. madge sinclair plays his wife in the lion king yeah <laughs> i love that that's that, probably that makes my heart happy that's probably something they already knew about um she's i don't know she's she's there in this movie i don't have much to say about it <laughs> Do we, we really only have one other person in this movie that we really need to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, that's Arsenio Hall. Who's fantastic. Maybe better than Eddie Murphy. Well, no. Um, Arsenio Hall is playing the funny guy. Yes. He's the silly comedic relief best friend. Until both of them are costumed as different people. And then they both get to be silly. That's and what Eddie I'm... Murphy gets to be great. Oh, I know. 
Uh, well, he gets to be the 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 wacky guy that we're used to, because um, when he's Akeem, he's just straight. But Arsenio Hall's semi is just ridiculous and funny. He's ridiculous. Do you realize I've not had sex since we came to America? <laughs> Do you think three hundred thousand is enough? Oh, maybe five hundred thousand. Mm. Why don't you go for a million? Ooh, that would be too much. <laughs> um, him as the Reverend Brown. Yeah, the Reverend's pretty good, and I like I like Eddie Murphy as the little Richard character, as Richard Jack or Randy Jackson. Yes, of sexual chocolate, my friend. It was like we are here for Randy Jackson <laughs> from the episode of What's Going What's Going Down. From that's my mama. Yeah, and there's a lot of cameos in this film. Okay, uh, there's a Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay, he, that, pl- let's he plays say, boy getting haircut. That's not a cameo. Nobody knew who he was at this point. It's a cameo for us now. Now, to be fair, he he hit it big pretty quick after that with mm-hmm. New Jack City and stuff like that. So yes, he he was about to blow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie Faison from The Wire plays the landlord. He's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric LaSalle of ER again. Nobody plays, knew who he was. Plays the the. Slow go air. Slow glow. Slow glow. Louis Anderson. Yes. Eddie Murphy's stand up buddy. Yep. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the guy who holds up the restaurant. Very nice hints of Pulp Fiction coming through there. Mm-hmm. Donna Miche and Ralph Bellamy as the two homeless dudes who are playing their characters from Trading Places. One of my favorite moments in the whole movie. I was like, okay, that's a good gag. It says. Mortimer, we're back! <laughs> Just hands him a stack of cash. I was like, you know what? That's a great... That's one of the best callbacks I've ever seen. It's like, wonderful. It's and just a perfect little callback. It's, it's perfect. It makes total sense. And the thing is, if you don't know, you don't care. You're just like, oh, that's funny. These homeless dudes feel like they're rich. But if you do know and you recognize them, it's funny. Yeah. And I totally did not realize that when I was a kid. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that who've done a lot more now in there and so that was fun this is sort of a weird question is this movie for a specific audience it's for an eddie murphy fan from the 80s that's yeah. for which that's definitely what me and my brother is my my brother has such a wonderful way to he's so good at imitating eddie murphy and so one of the reasons why we would watch this film it's because he would just quote him, and he would walk around acting like Prince Akeem, and it was funny. And so that made this funny. Like, he says, like, we are very happy to be here. He would say that all the time. There's sort of a... It's weird how I think people have imitated this movie in a much more heightened personality than what it is. I Maybe it's the fact that nobody had dared to make a movie like this until yes. 1988. Because now it it doesn't feel new and fresh in any way. No. Maybe that's why we feel so bored because anybody watching this movie was like, what's going on right now? He's playing four different people, including a white Jewish dude. And we'll talk about that, that. in a minute. But first of all, I understand that there's the makeup aspect, but the fact that he's able to do that voice so well, yes, like you forget that it's Eddie Murphy. Yes, you do. Which Actually- is kind of amazing. <laughs> Actually, there was a test he wanted to make sure that it was believable, so he went out in it, and nobody realized it was him. Yep. So that's awesome. He He's really great as that. No, yeah, this movie is 
It's very dated. But it here's the thing. After they get to America, you can stop watching. Pretty much. But that's okay. So now we get, we we have to talk about the makeup. Rick Baker. Rick fucking Baker. Got he nominated for an Oscar. For this, yes. And then went on to do like everything. Rick Baker is most famous for doing Planet of the Apes. He studied under Dick Smith, who is like the founder of special effects makeup. Uh, he won the very first uh, achievement in makeup Oscar. He has been nominated the most times, and he's also won the most times in that category. Can I run down his wins? Sure. The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Norbit. Yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jim Carrey version. Life from 1999. Another Eddie Murphy movie. Mighty Joe Young, mm-hmm. Men in Black, yep. The Nutty Professor, mm-hmm. and Ed Wood. Oh, I forgot about that one. He was also nominated for Coming to America. Mm-hmm. Also won for Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. Nominated for Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. And won his first one for an American Werewolf in London. Uh, yeah. Yeah, his specialty is definitely apes. He's done a lot of them. Didn't win for Planet of the Apes, though. No, that's okay. But that's but, his specialty. He's done that the most along, and then if basically if you're a furry person, he's done he's done it. What he's really what you can tell he's really also famous for is complete transformation of people. Full prosthetics. He can he can take a a person. I mean, just thinking about the Nutty Professor mm-hmm. and yes. and Norbit and completely taking Eddie Murphy and transforming his entire look into, into something different. eight different characters. Oh, and that's a skill. Like, I don't, like, Nutty Professor's a horrible movie. Like, so is Norbit. But that transformation is a great achievement for makeup. Well, and Eddie Murphy, those movies aren't great, but it's because of the writing. Eddie Murphy's spectacular in them. Yeah. I mean, you watch, you like, that that family scene from The Nutty Professor yeah, the is still one of the funniest things you'll ever watch because you're kind of just going... Oh my god, I can't believe he's doing all of these people. Oh, yes. Because not only is Rick Baker doing amazing makeup, but Eddie Murphy's matching it with a complete yes, characterization. With the characters. And that's really hard to do. Oh, yes. On both ends. So it's it's admirable to watch. You just, you just sort of go, yeah, but the writing's just shit. Yeah. Any, anytime there's anything where I see Rick Baker's name attached to it, it's like, oh, that's going to be cool. I'm, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I like the movie. I was like, but whatever effect he's involved in, it's going to be good. Uh,. I think he's retiring i think i saw that that wouldn't be shocking mm. i mean he's he's passed it on to who knows how many people now well and he's i believe he's helped train um like greg nicotero from the walking, the walking dead, dead. And that, who, I mean, who is a completely different style but those techniques are still valuable well he's going to be a legend forever because of the work he's done on that show oh yeah just just would, that alone and i mean while we have broken up with the walking dead <laughs> Uh, we broke uh, up once Negan showed up because reasons because because feelings. Um, but I will say that some of the work, some of the best episodes of that show were when he did it. When he directed them and was also doing the effects, yeah, yeah. So a plus for effects, and, and I'm sorry about all the wedding stuff and all of the flower bearers and the bait like the royal penis is clean sir it's so funny it's just ridiculous and i it's hop on one leg (laughs) hop on one leg bark like a dog run away it's just it's funny i so okay you know what else this movie has 
that feels like a problem. Mm. It's like everybody's half-assing the performance. It's that commitment problem you don't like. Well, but do you sense that? No. I mean, maybe it's because they're trying to be stiff and royal. I think that is a big part of it. And then I think when they're in America, it's almost too much of a farce. Although, well, yes. I mean, it's I just, it's just a problem. romantic I think farce. if we had dialed back on the let's be super poor thing, it would have worked out better. Just make him a fish out of water. A normal guy. Yeah, like, I don't, like the whole, I, he, why don't you mop the floor? And he's mopping the floor with the bucket. My favorite thing of the whole, my favorite parts of the whole movie are when he's going to talk to people and he's mopping the floor into the room and smiling with his big old grin, just trying to talk to people. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. That stuff is funny. Did so, you somebody... did you watch the football match the other evening? Yeah. The Giants of New York. <laughs> yeah, if you've never done those things, I mean, he's literally done nothing for himself his entire life. Yep. And so that is funny in a very Amelia Bedelia sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. And they should they, they could have just played on that yes. rather than trying to deal with the money issue. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, there's also the pro there's also they he pegged himself into the corner by putting himself in Queens. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, that's his neighborhood. He knows these people, so mm-hmm. he knows how to talk through them. Yeah. Um The flip side is the flip side of the writing is I will say, this has a really like a positive message about relationships in some ways. Oh, well, it's... Which is different than most 80s movies. He's looking for a woman who is his equal. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she'll be his queen and she can have anything she wants. Um, Which is not a normal thing you see from a romantic mm -hmm. comedy at this time. I actually really found that refreshing. Yes. It was nice that he wanted someone who, who wanted... Who loved him for who he was... Um, yeah, and who was his equal. And that's important. And the lead and the lead female mm-hmm. is does not want to be connected to somebody who's trying to control her. Correct. It's that's a very refreshing tone to take. Even now. <laughs> True. Does it happen in a lot of romantic comedies that come out in twenty seventeen, much less nineteen eighty eight. Okay, well let's be clear. I think we've only seen one romantic comedy, and that was Deadpool. <laughs> Which we saw twice in the theater. Oh, Deadpool's so great. I think that was the most recent one we saw. I mean, it also has, you know, some superhero stuff. and Yeah. Some some fighting and guns and curse words. It's still a romantic story. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was one of the best ad campaigns I've ever seen. <laughs> I fully endorse all of that. Okay, so let's get to our ratings. This is my movie. I'm going to give it a 2.5. Okay. It's it's still funny. It's not great. Um, but but I'm, I'm yeah, it's 2.5. I'm going to go slightly lower at a 2. Um, okay. I've heard a lot of quotes from this movie without having, you know, known where it came from. Mm-hmm. And those moments I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I chuckled a lot in, in between stuff when they really just went for... He's a dude who's never been in a country where he did anything before, so he's just goofily doing it as best he can. But when we got to the to the scenes where he's just seriously talking about his life, I'm going, I don't care at all. And when you drag through that through that much of the movie, you know, maybe see it once, but like you say, you can watch the first third of this movie and then just turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like, I don't I don't know that I'd want to watch it again. I don't know that I'd I'd care enough. Um, 
I just, I don't want to put it too low because the moments that are funny are genuinely funny and fun to watch. Yeah. So, which is a shame. I, I think I had a little bit of a higher expectation for this movie. Okay. Having known a little bit about it hmm. and it just felt like it just didn't live up to what I had heard about it. Hmm. Oh, so that's it. That's it. That's going to be our last movie of 2017. Wow. Yep. Bummer. Uh, we're still going to go to the movies. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is going to be the last movie we're going to review until next year. Um, on January 1st, you'll get our year in review podcast where we're going to go through all the movies we've seen, talk about all the ratings, kind of pick what were our top ones, bottom ones, go through that. And then we're also going to talk about all the movies coming up in the new year that we want to do. And then uh, after that, we're going to start uh, doing Oscar Best Picture winners that one of us hasn't seen. And our first one is going to be Braveheart. David hasn't seen it. Feels weird to do a Mel Gibson movie right now. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like his best regarded movie. Okay, if we start limiting movies that have won Best Pictures based on... People involved with them that are complete and utter assholes? Especially people involved with the Weinstein. We're not going to have any movies Oh, God. Like, let's just be clear. Anything from 1992 on, you're screwed with the Weinstein Company. I think Braveheart was 93 or 94. I can't remember. 95. No, it wasn't. We'll look it up. I don't think. It was not 95. Read it and weep. Ah, damn. 1995. Damn. Okay, whatever. Okay. Uh, so after, yeah, so from that week on, that'll be January 8th, I believe, um, through when the Oscars air, we'll be doing a Best Picture winner, and then we'll do a whole few episodes about how we feel about the Oscar nominations, how we feel about who won, and then we'll take a little break after that, too. And the fun thing is, we got Oscar, we got Best Picture winners from, like, lots of different decades we got old we got new it's gonna be a good match we tried to pick up a couple different ones um and we avoided the more recent ones that we could we didn't see moonlight or spotlight but there's some oldies and goodies that we both need to see yeah we so we're gonna do braveheart i don't know how you haven't seen titanic um bridge on the river Kwai, the apartment kramer versus kramer um a couple that we both haven't seen yeah Um, the sting uh so yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna do some Oscar winners. It's going to be lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Lots of good times talking about lots of old actors. We like doing that. And, you know, the mass quantity of Oscar bait that is coming out in the next few months. Yeah, so while we've taken about two weeks off from doing brand new podcasts, we're going to be going and seeing the deluge of movies that are being released right now. When that fire hose comes, guys, just be prepared. Yeah, we may have to release a bonus episode of just the new movies we've gone to see. <laughs> Alrighty. What is your favorite holiday of the year? Star Wars Day. Yay! We so, saw the Last Jedi. Okay, and okay. So two years ago, when the the Force Awakens came out. 
that was the year that we had dubbed Star Wars Christmas. It was. We had our Christmas tree covered in Star Wars stuff. A lot of the gifts we were giving to David were were Star Wars things. A lot of the gifts we gave the children were Star Wars. We all got Star Wars t-shirts. It was just a whole thing. It was and, Star Wars Christmas. And my biggest gift was there was there were no plans to go see it on opening weekend. Too many kids. And then out of the blue, you got me midnight tickets. I got him a single midnight ticket. With, and of course it was at the Alamo, with the special edition glass and the book that they always do. And I said, okay, you go see it because it's really important to you at midnight. And then I stayed up late and I read all the spoilers so when he came home he could talk to me about it. And then we went and saw it together the next day. I mean, I gotta say, it's been about, it'd been nearly 15 years since we had anything and that was the prequels. Mm -hmm. And... Everything I'd seen about this movie was so exciting. Yeah, like, you were the one who, like, when you saw the trailers, you were like, this is gonna make me cry. This is gonna make me cry. I was crying during all of those trailers. Yeah. This one didn't get me as much when the stuff started coming out. And I don't know, just other, there's so much other movie stuff that's been going on that this one kind of snuck under the radar for me. Yes. Um, But Star Wars Day is like a holiday for us. This is Star Wars Observance Day. It is not the actual Star Wars holiday, which is May 4th. Star Wars has always been my movie. Everybody's got that that thing they deal mm-hmm. with. Some people it's Jurassic Park. Some people it's Star Trek. So this this one is mine. I don't know that I have one of those. Just it's when probably I, Harry Potter. I saw the first movies when I was probably five or six, mm-hmm. and we had them on VHS, and I just watched them over and over again, mm-hmm. all three of them. I used to fast forward past some of Return of the Jedi because it got real boring around the Yoda time. And then watch the the shooting fights, but still, mm-hmm. like, just this was my obsession for so long. And then it it came and went. Some mm-hmm. I you know r- right about the time I was really interested in it was when the Phantom Menace came out. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, not even that. The re releases, yeah. the new the new versions they did in theaters mm-hmm. before the prequels. So re releases was how I got introduced to them, uh. Because they started re-releasing them because they had announced that they were working on the prequels and those would be coming out. Actually, the first prequel came out on the last day of school in, when I was in ninth grade in junior high. And me and all of my friends like decided, okay, as soon as exams are done, we're going to the movie theater. All like There were 15 of us. It was nuts. We were going to see that movie. It was awesome. That was really fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, I didn't even... I, my parents weren't movie watchers. I mean, they'd go to the movies, but they wouldn't own movies. So I remember my brother, who was in high school at that point, went out and bought the VHS box set, and he brought them home, and he started watching them. And then I think when they were in the movie theaters, like, that was kind of like my date. I would go on with my dad. Like, we would go see that movie, which was nice, but it wasn't something that was totally ingrained in me. And those prequels were horrible, so it was kind of like, really? This is shit. Yeah. I did take one of my sisters to the midnight showing of episode three on the release date, which was pretty fun for her because it was cool. She had to be the cool kid who went to school on Friday and had already seen it. Yeah. Well, that leads us to the newest iteration. And we're not going to spoil. No spoilers. No spoilers. When we get to our year review podcast, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. That's not today. So how do you feel about this movie? I'm still processing it a little bit, I okay. think. I'm going to have to see it again. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, And not in a... I've got to go... Not, it's not like The Force Awakens, where I was just so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, 
While I recognize that The Force Awakens is not the best entry in the films, I mean, it really is A New Hope. Yes. Done all over again. Correct. To the point where the big the big weapon is just a new, bigger Death Star. Like, the whole thing was an iteration. Yeah. Um, I loved it because it was that. And everybody who got pissed off about that, I was just like, that's exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. We needed to completely it's, it's reset it. It's very much it. like, who cares? <laughs> we needed it to be mm-hmm. that all over again so that we could build on it. Okay. This builds on it. Yes. For sure. It really does. I just, I was left in sort of a, huh, this is a weird, interesting world you've created. I don't know how I feel yet. What's interesting is like, just looking at IMDb now, there's a bunch of really angry, upset reviews. And I think that's been the vibe that's coming from the fans is it is very mixed. Some people are totally into it and some people are very pissed off. Okay. Well, I am, I would consider myself a Star Wars fan. Right. I do. Like, I, I didn't, I don't have this long grown attachment to it that you do and a lot of people do, but I am a Star Wars fan. I get excited about it. I do. Yeah. And I do. I'm, I'm not I fully in- buy into it. I'm not intense, but I definitely have an emotional attachment to yes. it. And I love this film. This is by far, I think, my favorite. Because it is the funniest Star Wars I have ever seen in my life. Well, let's start there. This there is so much humor. You know what it was for me? It mm-hmm. wasn't that there was some it, it wasn't just that there was humor. There was humor with heart. Yes. This feels like the most emotionally and morally open and vulnerable Star Wars it is. I've ever seen. It is. They are taking these characters and laying them open in a way that I don't think any of the other movies have really done. I agree. And I think that has to do with the fact that George Lucas should not write things. He, George, should, he should only produce things. Look, if you've ever... One of my favorite stories is from the, the THX 1138 stuff when um, Francis Ford Coppola read his script and was like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is the worst thing I've ever read. And then spent like nights completely rewriting his script, being like, dude, you've got to figure out how to do this better. Lucas was a visionary cinematographer and filmmaker he's a producer and he cannot write write a script to save his damn life correct and that's why all of his greatest movies have been written by other people yeah really have other than american graffiti which is okay it's not the worst thing ever i did a very specific thing anyways yeah this i agree with all the heart um the performances are great um oscar isaac's is wonderful and we get a lot more of him in this film than we did in the last one we get a great building of poe mm-hmm. in a good way yes he's um, sort of filling han solo's shoes in some ways yes i i think that's a fair comparison and we get a lot more depth from uh the kylo ren character which i wasn't expecting it's, um yeah it's, it's gonna be really interesting it's very layered um i don't want to give anything away it's no. very layered and, and it's I just going to important. It's just going to be interesting where they take him from there. And we also get a lot of really interesting and very funny stuff from Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah. And you can tell that Mark Hamill was having a lot of fun. You could just tell Mark Hamill was loving every minute of doing this. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think this this was the best chance they got to explore his character. Yes. He's no longer the whiny little boy. Now we get to actually look back on everything with him and really look at how it's affected him over time. Well, and 
him and Ray are they complement each other well. Yeah. And it's 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 good. It's really fun. Um there's lots of BB eight. Yep. And BB eight is just as adorable as the last time. I did not I was so surprised with the last movie because I was like, okay, everyone's hyping this BB eight and it looks cool, but how are you going to beat R2-D2? How are you going to beat R2-D2? Uh, the, and not just R2, but R2 plus C- C-3PO. Yeah. When you put those two together, they're just they're comedy gold yeah. um, in space. BB-8 holds his own all on his own, and that is so fun. And so we get lots more BB-8. We got a lot of new characters. Um, I don't think there were too many. No. I think they did a good job with that. We also got a lot of new creatures. There are these things called, what are they, pogs? Porgs. Porgs. That are the best thing. They are amazing and hilarious. People and are I, people are gonna hate porks just like porks. they hated Ewoks, and that's fine. If you if you find them distracting and annoying, go for it. They're adorable and they're super funny. They are funny. There's, and yes, and they're just they're they're wonderful little additions. Mm-hmm. All of these creatures. I, that's the other thing is he's he's grown the natural universe. Yes. Um, yes, we, and and by he we have to mention Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. I've we've Who loved Ryan Johnson um, since we saw Brick in two thousand and five. I forget that's him, and, and he's so good with language. His his debut picture was just this masterful little tiny indie. Oh, and we to, also have to say that the late Carrie Fisher also contributed to the writing of the script. Oh yeah, a bunch and, of I mean a bunch and, of people were, and due to her death, they did not cut any of her scenes on purpose. Mm. Um, but you know, this was, he wrote this, he directed it, mm-hmm. this was his baby. And mm-hmm. from what everybody said, like, you know, reading some of the stuff, this isn't spoilery, but in terms of there's been a lot of turmoil in the different movies that have gone on. Yes. You know, Rogue One had to have a bunch of reshoots mm-hmm. after it came and, and did test screenings. Solo has had to change, had they fired the first director and now it's Ron Howard. Um, and the, well, the weird part about that I didn't realize was, um, Knight and Lord had finished principal photography mm. and then they got fired. Mm. So, I mean, Kathleen Kennedy is really handholding this process through from Disney. And in doing that, there's been a whole lot of turmoil and different things by all accounts. The one steady rock through the whole thing has been Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. They say he's a pleasure to work with. They say he's, you know, it's it's clear he's got the vision and he he's able to get people to buy into it and be on board, which is great because this is also not a spoiler, but he is signed on to do a separate trilogy in this universe that he's starting mm-hmm. to build. And I'm so excited for that, for sure. He has said, if you enjoy this film, then you should enjoy what he has inten- he has planned for his set of trilogy. Exactly. Daisy Ridley is wonderful. Yes. Everybody's pretty much spot on going really in, going in very interesting directions with their characters and unexpected directions mm-hmm. of their characters. Except, you know, maybe General Hux, who's just General Hux. <laughs> Still great. <laughs> and pretty funny too. They they get some some good. It's again, this yeah. film is the funniest Star Wars and that was so delightful for me. I was a little surprised, but And is to steal something from fellow podcaster Jesse Thorne, funny without being distracting. Correct. Funny while Correct. adding to the story. So you were actually on an episode of Oh good. <laughs> you got a shout out from Jesse Thorne. Episode five oh eight, I warmed his cockles. 
So <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's so funny. Take that for what you will. David called into. Uh, I, I called in with a momentous. If look, if anybody here is a is a Max Fun fan, I called in with a momentous occasion. I got on episode five hundred eight. You can go listen to it. It's in like the last fifteen minutes of the episode. It it really just makes me laugh because of what Jesse says. Yeah, it's what, it's very. Jesse's funny. response is great. It's just to me saying hi. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, if you're at all interested in that, there you go. So you can go check that out. Um, but yeah, I my so my biggest thing with this movie really just is like. I don't know how to feel yet. I I am very pro. I would like to see it again. Yeah. But I am very pro. I think this is my favorite Star Wars movie. I mean, that's it for movies this week, but we've got a whole other chunk of things to talk about. Yeah, we've got... Uh... The Golden Globe nominations came out Monday. Mm-hmm. And... We have some opinions. So, wait till after the music... Check it out. Or if not, if you're not interested in hearing that right now, then have a wonderful Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And we're taking Kwanzaa a break. and uh, Anglo-Saxon Winter Privilege Night. <laughs> what, whatever you celebrate. Um, we'll be taking a break for the holiday. Yep. And then right after that. It's Oscar season for us. So, good See you on going to talk about the Golden Globe nominations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there are a lot of movies we have not yet seen for the Golden that have been nominated for Golden Globes. We'll go through that a little bit later. Um, but so we're going to go category by category and talk about who our current favorite to win that is. The Golden Globes are kind of the best indicator of who's going to be nominated for the Oscars and the the time frame between now and when the Golden Globes airs, it's it's too tight for us to even try to get all of them. We're going to try to get all the movies for the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, this kind of gives us a nice little preview of, of what, what we're going to have to do. The Golden Globes are, I mean, they're a good indication of where mm-hmm. Oscar stuff is leading. And yet there's a lot of weird filler. Yeah. And also a lot of movies that we think might be kind of crap. But we have to remember that this is like Europe and China who get yeah. lots of different movies and have different tastes in movies. Mm-hmm. So that's why some of the some of these movies that come up were like, what the hell? This got nominated what is, what is for this something? Nonsense. But yeah. it makes that, sense when you put it in that context. That kind of also it kind of dilutes the pool of of how how things are being voted on. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and we're not going to do the TV portion. We love the TV portion, too. We are avid TV viewers, uh, but there's just too many things that we have not been watching because we're doing so many movies. And also, this is a movie podcast. This is our movie podcast. We're not going to talk about television here. Yeah, like, we're not going to do the Emmys for this, but we are going to do a big thing for the Oscars. Okay, so first up is Best motion, Motion Picture Drama. We've got Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post... The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I mean, there's an easy hands-down one in there. It's The Shape of Water. Easily. That's that's our favorite to win. Um, Yeah, I don't see anybody else really matching up to that on that level, unless they're so gaga over news and the established news media that they go for the post, and I'm just hoping they don't. There's a much more interesting and better story thrown in there, like, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. 
Uh, best performance by an actress in a motion picture. We've got Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game, Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards, Meryl Streep for The Post, and Michelle Williams for All the Money in the World. Um, Again, Sally Hawkins. Yes. Shape of Water. All the Money in the World got a lot of nominations here, and I'm... The trailer is making it... It's had three different trailers with three very different tones. Yes. I don't know... And now a different actor. I don't know what to expect from this movie at this point. All the Money in the World is the movie that is most famous right now for recasting one of its lead actors a month before its wide release. This movie just recently did $10 million in reshoots to remove Kevin Spacey from the entire film. Because Ridley Scott, to his credit, decided as soon as those allegations went wide and the fallout happened, that he immediately was going to fire him. And they tapped Christopher Plummer, Captain Von Trapp himself. They tapped Christopher Plummer, Captain Von Trapp himself, (laughs) uh, to play the role. He had previously read the script, so he was already familiar with it. And so that was one of the reasons why they got him. Yeah, so that's why that is getting a lot more attention. I'm sure, but it just... Because its release date is like December 20th. This movie looks like it's one of those, this is really an action movie masquerading as an Oscar bait movie. I think they're trying to give it an Argo treatment. And I don't trust Mark Wahlberg in leading roles anymore. I don't. I like Mark Wahlberg, but no. He needs to do a really great run on a TV show. My gosh, yes. That would be perfect for him. He would be great on a true detective. I don't know. Just anything. On that type of show. He would do great. Or, you know what would be hilarious? I want to see him on Grey's Anatomy. Not It would be great. It would cost them way too much fucking money. They have it. It's been 14 seasons. No, they... uh, Anyway. Okay. It's... it's, I'm not convinced that's going to be a good movie. Okay. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis, The Phantom Thread, Tom Hanks, The Post, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. I have to reserve on this at this point. Okay, we have not seen a single one of those movies. No. I have a feeling it's going to be between Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name or Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. No... I mean, if I'm really thinking, it's going to be... I want it to be Gary Oldman. Well, but we haven't seen that movie yet. We haven't seen any of these. I... You know what? I I don't really know without without seeing more of these performances. That's who I feel like it's going to be. Including Denzel, for that matter. Because that movie has not been widely praised, but he has been. Well, Denzel is... He's like Meryl Streep. I know you do good work. The movie can be shit and you're good in it. That's fine. He's apparently a little bit different in this one. This okay, is He's well, he's good. stretching a bit in this role. Well, that's good. It's about time. So It's been a while. <laughs> uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy, The Disaster Artist, Get Out, The Greatest Showman, I, Tanya, and Lady Bird. We might have to do a whole podcast about my problems with The Greatest Showman, but... Yeah, we will, because we may get stuck. Uh... <laughs> this is a hard category because... I, I want Disaster Artist, but I also really want Get Out. Here's, so here's my and we've thing. Seen, and we've only seen Disaster Artist. Well, no, that's, we've seen Disaster Artist, Get Out, and Lady Bird. Like, based on, based on these nominations, there is one movie that I feel right out should be excluded from the Best Picture categories for the Oscars. Greatest Showman. Yes. And then everything else is a Very valid good. Best Picture contender. 
I will agree with that statement. All of those, those nine movies deserve consideration for Best Picture. Get Out is going to get some short shrift here because it came out so early in the year. And it's an indie film and it is on that horror line. It's not truly a horror film, but it rides that edge. It is a horror film. I mean, it, it's a psychological horror film. It's, yeah, it's, but it's, it is it is a horror film and it uses that that trope because it's structured like a horror film, but it uses fair. that trope to go into amazing levels of detail. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that, as as little consideration as it may get, mm-hmm. the thing about it was that n- not a single moment of that movie was not carefully thought through. I And I, I agree with all that. Um, from these nominees, I want it to go to Get Out. Because I feel like this made the highest accolades it gets. I don't think it's going to. I, it's going to be somewhere between Lady Bird and The Disaster Artist. It's going to be one of those, and I have a feeling it's going to go to Lady Bird. With the dark horse being I, Tanya. It depends on how much buzz, how hot that gets, how fast. That movie's getting very politicized right now. Interesting. Seeing some interesting things about that film. Well, we have to see it before well, we, we can pass our When we our see it, we can talk about those things. Yeah. Uh, category five, the best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy. Judy Dench for Victoria and Abdul. Helen Mirren for The Leisure Seeker. Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes. Three of these people should not be nominated. <laughs> Three of them? No. And I'll give you a hint. Two of them keep getting nominated for shit no matter what. They're the Meryl Streep of this category right well, now. Well, okay. This this again goes back to the, those two. It's Hollywood Foreign Press Association. I love Judy Dench. I love Helen Mirren. I, I I love all the actresses in this category. I even like Emma Stone, and I think she's way overrated. None of those deserve this type of nomination. I think Emma Stone If is... I see one of these names on an Oscar ballot, I'm going to be pissed. Well, let me start here. I think Emma Stone could easily, could have gotten in on this because she really was She did a great, great job. In she Battle was, of Sexes. And, it's, and it's a biopic, and that is, that is award bait. It is. In terms of this, though, the one the one thing that gives her an edge to me, and where I'm kind of okay if she does wind up with an Oscar nomination, though there's a much bigger crowd for her to to she better not to not be in here. Absolutely, there's lots of other things. There's going there's, on. there's other better. But ones. what I will say is that's the most natural performance I've seen her give. She was she was delightfully natural as opposed to the preciousness that they sometimes make her do. Okay, well, of these nominees, it goes to Shasha Ronan. Yeah, she's. That was one of those things. It's like, this is a 20... I know she's in her early 20s, but even then, playing a teenager is so hard, no matter mm-hmm. what age you're at. Yeah. It really is. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion motion picture, musical, or comedy. Steve Carell, Battle of the Sexes, and Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. I can't, I can't say that, and I have a tooth missing. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, Baby Driver, James Franco, the disaster artist, Hugh Jackman, the greatest showman, and Daniel Kaluuya. No, I think Kaluuya. it's just Kaluuya. Kaluuya. We'll get there. We'll learn it, because they'll have to pronounce it. I know. Uh, forget out. Okay, Steve Carell agreed. That was one of his best performances since um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He's not getting nominated in the Oscars. Correct, and that's fine. Ansel Egbert, you could have replaced him with a robot. Sorry. you. This His nomination should have been Kumail Nanjiani. Yes. For The Big Sick. Here's the thing. The only way Kumail's going to get a nomination at this point is if they re-release it. And they may. But they're going to have to re-release it in order to get him proper consideration. 
I, I understand that. That's fair. On the other hand, he's also got friends within the comedy community who might get, mm-hmm. be able to get him in through the Academy. James Franco, this is one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. He's a shoo-in. Uh, Hugh Jackman, everybody loves Hugh Jackman, and everybody loves it when Hugh Jackman sings. He's wonderful. I know he's wonderful in that film. I'm not, I don't want to see it. Um, and um, Daniel from Get Out, uh, I would love first to see him win, but he's not going to. Well, I would love to see him get nominated for the Oscar. I agree. Uh, I, this, if I'm picking two to come out, it's Franco and Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, and then it's going to be it's going to be Franco. And then have a couple of the other guys um, in Best Actor from Drama go in. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Best Motion Picture Animated. We have The Boss Baby. The Breadwinner, Coco, Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent. Pixar is going to take this one home. Coco's oh. getting amazing reviews right now. Lots of people are saying it's great. We're getting, we're going to get out there to see it. And Boss Baby, I will admit, is better than people will give it credit for. So Boss Baby, we actually, that is based on a picture book that we actually saw when it first came out. That was actually, I think, just before our daughter was born or right after. I don't know. It was one of those. And it's hilarious. It's a wonderful concept. And it was a delightful movie. And right now it's on Netflix. And our son <laughs> says, baby boss, baby boss. He will. He, that's what he wants to watch when he comes home from school. That's what he wants to watch when he wakes up in the morning. What I will, what I will say, give credit to that movie for jokes upon jokes upon jokes. jokes they keep the laughs going the entire time which is hard to do which is hard to do in, with that material so i give them credit for that but coco's taking that one hands down uh best motion picture foreign language a fantastic woman first they killed my father in the fade loveless and the square we've seen none of these and we're not gonna well you might not I've heard some things about I'm some gonna, of these. I'm going to outsource this category to David for his weirdness. Okay. I might take the weird categories because uh, I've heard really interesting things about the square. So That's fine. And I, every, a, a lot of people are talking about First They Killed My Father. That's the Angelina Jolie movie. Blah. Whatever. All right. Sentimental. We, we, we have no opinions right now about this because we know nothing. Sentimental grossness. Um, best performance by an actress in a supporting role in, a motion, in any motion picture. Uh, Mary J. Blige from Mudbound. That's a net. That's the Netflix movie. Okay. Well, we should watch it. We've got access to it. Yeah. We, There's lots of good buzz around it. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Hong Chao for Downsizing. Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. There's three easy choices right at the end there. Uh, either one of those would I would be okay with, but it needs to go to Laurie Metcalf. Uh, yeah. I, I, and I only say that because she was phenomenal. And I know I'm going to love Allison Janney and I, Tanya. Until we see I, Tanya, I can't. But right now, it's Laura Metcalf. Need more information. Yes. More input. Actor in a supporting more input. Ro- adding an acting, actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project. Army Hammer, Call Me By Your Name. Richard Jenkins, The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards. Sam these Rockwell. Are, but these are all solid choices. Yes. Hands down. This is a very strong... I feel like Christopher Plummer, I think they're nominating him to get to get more buzz for the movie. I don't... I, I love I, you, Captain Von Trapp, but meh. No, I think it's that Hollywood Foreign Press thing. That's fair. I, I, I know. That's my They that's love my Legacy. I know. Well, they love Legacy, but they also love sweeping, weird action epic movies mm-hmm. that deal with history. And it's just like, no, this is dumb. But, you know, French people will go see it, so I guess that makes it good. All right. Well, my first reaction is I want Sam Rockwell to win. Um, 
I want to see the Florida project so I can make a judgment on that. Okay. That is a sneaky contender if it gets re-released for best picture, best screenplay mm-hmm. type stuff. Yeah. There's been so much good talk about it. So Best Director, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water, Martin McDonough for Three Billboards, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Ridley Scott, All the Money in the World, Steven Spielberg for The Post. Ridley Scott should not be in this category, and Jordan Peele should be. Agreed. This We'll, we'll talk about that, but yeah. Um, if I'm picking right now, it's Guillermo, but depending on what these guys want to do, don't count out Chris Nolan. They may finally decide that they say this is this is Chris Nolan's because as much as the story of that movie is kind of a bore. I'm fine with it so long as it doesn't win for Best Picture. He, yeah, but this is a huge achievement in his directing. No, and I agree. So I agree. And yeah. it, I, I had one real complaint about that movie. The rest of it was great. Yeah, it's just Harry Styles shouldn't have been in it. <laughs> that's, my, that's that's my problem with it uh best screenplay motion picture and we don't get split categories for the golden globes Correct. so we're only got five guillermo and vanessa taylor for the shape of water greta gerwig for ladybird liz hannah and josh singer for the post martin mcdonough for three billboards and aaron sorkin for molly's game again aaron sorkin should not be in there put jordan peele in no easy it should not be jordan peele it should be camille ah uh, well mm. It should be one of those two. Yeah, agreed. It should be either for Get Out or The Big Sick. Either one of those. And what I love on Twitter, they're both playing very nice with each other. They're just happy for each other. Of course. Which is great. Um, I think I think it's also because they're really good friends <laughs> in real life. They're really good friends. They come from the same LA comedy they, they, community. They, are, they all know oh, each other. Well, Kumail's good. Well, they're all good friends with uh, Keegan. Michael Key. Yep. Um, but honestly, if you're if you're asking me to pick from this, it's Guillermo or Martin McDonough. One of those two. Really? I'm surprised you didn't say Lady Bird. Lady Bird is a really well-written movie. I think it's going to get strong consideration, but I don't think it's as good a script as those other two. Fair. It's a really good script. I think Lady Bird is way overblown. The performances are not. I think the movie is. I think the script is really good. I really do think it is. But it's not as good as those other two. That's really what it boils down to. Best original score, motion picture. Carter Carter Burwell for Three Billboards. Uh, Alexandre Desplat, The Shape of Water, Johnny Greenwood, Phantom Thread, John Williams, The Post, and Hans Zimmer and Dunkirk. Um, I'm so psyched to finally hear Johnny Greenwood's score for The Phantom Thread. I love that man. It's going to be good. He can't do anything wrong in my eyes. He did There Will Be Blood, right? He did There Will Be Blood. Well, and that was from some of his compositions. He yeah. also did The Master. He's done all of... Paul Thomas, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's movies since There Will Be Blood and fucking Radiohead. Like, let's just start there. Um, so I'm super excited to hear his score. Um, I, I want it to be Shape of Water. Yes. I do. I. Hans Zimmer's score for Dunkirk is interesting. It's good. It You know what? It's very reminiscent to me of the Jaws theme and that it's very simple. Yes. Just and that, just that ticking clock. Yes, it's it's. But that movie, honestly, what's better about it is its actual sound versus yes, the, the sa- score. Yes, the sound mixing is definitely a huge thing on that so, one. Best original song for a motion picture. Home for Ferdinand. Do we do River. we even need to talk about it? We're not. It's gonna. First of all, it's gonna be the Coco song. No, I don't know. Here's the thing. Okay, Remember Me by Coco is by the Lopez's, who did all of Frozen. Um, and Robert Lopez is the current youngest EGOT. Uh, the other big one is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. 
That's by Benj, uh, Benj Basak and Justin Paul, who won last year for La La Land and won this year the Tony for Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. Those are our two contenders. But if we see The Greatest Showman, I will be starting a protest movement to make sure none of its nominations actually get awards. <laughs> you need to calm down. That's fair. So of the movie nominations, uh, the top nomination getters were The Shape of Water with seven, The Post with six, Three Billboards with six, Lady Bird with four, and then it, then it goes down from there. But, um, you know, we just saw Shape of Water. We both said this is the best picture we've seen. It's amazing. And so I was I was really happy to see that it has the most nominations. I think, I think that trend's going to continue. We're not going to see that. My hope is that a couple of these movies get out and the big sick both start inching their way upward mm-hmm. as more time goes on. And a couple other movies maybe level out. Okay, so... Now we're going to go run down the list of all the movies that have been nominated for a Golden Globe that we have not yet seen. And we'll discuss them just a little bit. Most of these haven't been released yet where we are. Some of them are right now are in limited runs. And some in of LA have, and New York. And some of these haven't been released yet at all. Yeah. Um, but yet they still qualify because they're going to be released this year. They're going to they're gonna have a very quick LA and New York run or they've already had a qualified yeah. release somewhere. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. That's that's how it always works because they need they want to make sure they have time leading up to the Oscars to have these movies come out. And the Golden Globes air January seventh. Yeah. Is this a, yeah, it's the seventh or it's eighth. I can't remember. Anyway. Okay. So the first one is Call Me by Your Name, and we do want to see that. I'm definitely going to see it. Um, I mean, it looks it it looks interesting and not too smarmy, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. And that guy from The Shape of Water, Michael Stahlberg. Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg. He's in that. He's been in, like, everything this year. It's insane. The Post looks great, uh, but I don't want to see Meryl Streep or Tom Hanks nominated. I'm more interested in all the undercharacters. Exactly. That's why I don't want to see it from either of them. And honestly, I'm more interested in the undercharacters as their own story. I kind of wish this wasn't about the paper and Ben Bradley. Mm-hmm. I really wish they'd just do a fucking movie about Daniel Ellsberg. That but that's its own thing. Uh, Molly's Game. Ugh. I love Aaron Sorkin. I'm and not I, the biggest fan. And of this the world. has Idris Elba. It has Jessica Chastain. I like those people. It looks like a decent movie, but it doesn't look like it's worthy of any awards consideration. No, I, I, people are just in love with Aaron Sorkin to a, a fault. Yeah, it's like they're not willing to admit. Oh, this isn't his best. They're just not willing to. I just. It looks like another movie is all. Yeah. Uh, all the money in the world. I'm, I want to see it. I'm not rushing to it. I'm so mixed on it based off of the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it's like, oh, this looks really... I was like, I don't know. And then, oh, this looks really cool. And now I'm like, oh. I want to know how long that movie is. I think it's two and a half hours. Fuck. It's that, a Ridley Scott movie, too. That makes me not want to watch it. Ridley is so hit or miss. And he almost goes back and forth every time. Like, Alien Covenant was pretty good movie. and It was! And The Martian was fucking amazing. Martian was. But then, you know, he throws out a clunker. And so it's just like, I don't know, man. All right. Uh, The Phantom Thread. Of course, we're going to see that. Yeah. I'm a little worried that it's going to be way too quiet from what we've expected of P.T. Anderson. But I think that might be good. I'm sorry. Everything he does is quiet. But, like, without the explosion of emotions that we've seen from his stuff, like, There Will Be Blood is a quiet movie that leads to this giant crescendo. We're not going to get that from this movie, and so I'm interested to see how that goes. Eh, we'll see. The Darkest Hour. I do want to see that. I'm just excited to see his performance. It may not be the greatest movie in the world, but his performance is going to be so much fun to watch. Yes, I want to see that. And I'm, I'm... 
I'm watching The Crown right now, and so it just it just goes with it. It helps give me more context. Well, and lots of people have said like that is the perfect movie to watch with Dunkirk because it's the oh, op. It is it the is the exact same timeline, mm-hmm. the exact same story, but from the perspective at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire. I am not going to see this movie unless it gets nominated for a lot of things. If the only nomination that comes out about of this is some technical awards and Denzel, I'm not seeing it. If it comes I out, I don't care. If it comes out on Netflix or something, I might sit down and watch That's it. That's fair. I, yes, but I'm not paying money to go see this movie unless it's nominated for like ten things. That's absolutely fair, but I don't care. If it if it goes up for best picture though, then it's like all right, fine. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, um, the Greatest Showman. <sighs> I we do not like that they have taken the P.T. Barnum story and they are whitewashing it and pretending that he, you know, lifted these people up instead of full on abused and exploited them. Enslaved them, actually. And I know the music will be beautiful and amazing and they've got all the right people to do it. Um, It's all going to be wasted on this movie. Um, Victoria and Abdul. I'm not seeing this. I don't care. (laughs) The Leisure Seeker. I'm not seeing this. I don't care. Neither of these movies are actually going to get in awards consideration anywhere else these were bone throws and filler Mm -hmm. filler nominations because they had to round out the categories exactly so it it happens they they chose poorly it happens and they and here's the thing with the way the golden globes are they have to do it Mm -hmm. so it's fine they wanted judy dench and helen mirren in the audience i tanya of course we want to see that absolutely super excited Uh, i fully remember all of that happening it's got um the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding stuff. So I have to watch this. And they're actually, there's a really good 30s for 30 about that. You should go watch it. The powerhouse performances look like super fun, even if it winds up being a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Breadwinner, which is one of the animated, I don't know anything about it. If it gets nominated for more things, then I might go see it, but it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not. Coco, we need to go see it. I've heard so much good buzz recently that mm-hmm. I'm super excited now. Uh, Ferdinand, I'm not seeing this movie. Hell no. It... If it gets nominated for Best Picture, I'm still not going to see it. That's how much I don't care. That trailer looks so terrible. All of the trailers look terrible. Loving Vincent. I would really like to see this. I don't know anything about it. This is the movie where they hand-painted all of the frames. Uh-huh. And so it looks like a Van Gogh okay. painting. Um, it looks beautiful. And so I think from a filmmaking standpoint, I want to see it. Yeah. Um. We put that probably won't be in theater. We may have to toss some animated stuff in here. Well, yeah, but these are these were movies that were nominated that we haven't seen. Yeah, uh, Mudbound. That's on Netflix. I don't know anything about it. We need to go watch a trailer, and, and we need to put put down our foot on we. You know, it's it's here. It's free. We should probably just sit down and power through it. It's weird, but again, it's only nominated for one thing. So if it gets nominated for more, then I'll consider it. Or or if. Uh, Mary J. Blige wins. If she wins, then I'll, then I'm willing to watch it. Same thing for Denzel, possibly. I don't know. Uh, downsizing. It looks like a stupid fun movie. I want to see it. I don't. I'm just not going to rush for it. Yeah, I. It doesn't look like it's a big awards worthy type thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Florida Project. And I know you're really interested in it. For me, this this is just kind of one of those movies where the trailer makes me feel like this movie's going to make me really sad. It's about neglected kids in a, in a hotel. From what I have heard, they do a much they do a really good job of not doing that. It's a coming of age story that so, just so happens to be dealing with kids in poverty. 
Yeah, so that's that, gonna depress me. Well, but it doesn't. What they say is there's so many good exploration pieces. Like the coming of age part is literally just kids growing up. Right, and well, that's just I, the backdrop for it. Nothing about that trailer made like this is one I want to see. But that guy who that filmmaker, he also did a movie a couple of years ago called Tangerine, which got oh, huge yeah. buzz. It's about a transgender woman. Oh, you know, I um I knew about that. This guy is a super up and comer auteur, and so I'm really interested to see his work. If the Florida this. Project wins, and if it gets nominated for more, I'll see it. But I'm not. I'm not really that. I have no motivations to see it right now. Yeah, well, especially if Willem Dafoe does come out of there and win, oh, great. then it's like, yeah, we gotta go well, then, check yeah. this out. So, there. So this whole list, there's 18 movies that we <laughs> haven't seen that were nominated. Um, three this, that we're uh, absolutely not watching. Three are absolute no's, and there's four where we're like, man, we need to see more. So that br- brings us down to 11 movies that we need to see. 11 absolutely must-see movies. What? No, those aren't all must-see, but one's... Okay, there's probably eight must-sees out of that. Oh, yeah. And a few you that... know, downsizing is on the list of 11, but we don't have to see that. Same thing with Molly's Game. We don't have to see it. Um, I don't think those movies are going to wind up making it much further Oscar. than this anyway. So. Uh, but the 11 are the ones where we want to see them, and they're most of them are likely to be considered for Oscars. You know, weirdly enough, I also forget the part that some of these are being nominated so that we can get those movie stars in the room. At the Golden Globes, like that way we can get Matt Damon oh, yeah, and Kristen dinner together, and that way Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig can show up to root on downsizing, well, and their co-star. They do that anyways, just because they're associated with the studio. I know, but that's that's where the announcers come from. It's one of those easy ways to get people in the room. Yeah, that's stupid. Okay, so those, did you have any um, glaring omissions that you feel like big? Where's who's your snubs? I touched on this. It's Get Out, and it's Get Out. So I. You know, I, I peppered it throughout this conversation. Mm-hmm. Get Out is the movie that it happens every year. There's a movie that is like such a game changer, so mm-hmm. revelatory, so different and interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's never going to get any nominations. Yeah. And I fear that this movie is going to be that. Mm-hmm. Because the flip side of it is this movie has more to say about race than any movie has in decades. And in such a perfect way a perfect time um, um i don't disagree with all that and jordan peele hearing him talk about it and revealing things first of all i want to go watch it again having more knowledge of what's going on just the simple fact of the score at the beginning is zulu singers in south african mm-hmm. singing to the care the spirits of his ancestors singing to him to run away hmm. like that fact alone just makes me go wow, this movie is so incredibly well thought out. Mm-hmm. Every minute of it was just so perfectly understood what he wanted. He had yeah. such a clear vision. And for them not to go after that is concerning. Okay, well, my concern is, my biggest snub is The Big Sick. Yes. There was so much about that movie that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in the summer. It's one of the best rated movies of the year. Uh the performances are just lovely and it's such it's a wonderful story yeah while also being funny and it should have it should have been it didn't get a single nomination whereas the big get out i completely agree with get out we are you're feeling snubbed on get out but it did get nominations it did and big sick got nothing i think the big 
here's the thing. If the studio's smart, they're going to re-release this picture because that's going to get it more momentum going forward. I think it did get buried mm -hmm. um, in the summer releases, although this was not a good summer. And I think really the big issue is this was not like the strongest summer movie season ever. Mm -hmm. We're backloading a bunch of the movies this year. Because oh. not only are we getting most of these really, I mean, I'm looking at a real strong Oscar season here. Yes. But we're also getting Star, Star Wars, Wars, Pitch Perfect. Jumanji. We're getting a huge run of blockbusters of for Christmas instead of the summer. Yeah. And so, you know, through all of that noise, the big sick is going to have to come come mm -hmm. back through again to get that buzz and i you know it depends does the studio have that money do they think they can they it's can amazon get that they have the money we just have to wait and see here's the thing i don't I, i'll have to double check this but i don't think amazon has ever this is one of the first big amazon movies like wide release amazon studios we should amazon say because it yes. didn't it wasn't exclusive to amazon video yeah um but uh i remember hearing emily gordon and kumail nanjiani who wrote the movie talk about how they went with Amazon because they they wanted it to remain the independent film and they wanted to get all of that online streaming support but they also wanted to do a theatrical release and some of the other people who were who were wanting to pick them up for distribution didn't want to do that it was one or the other and Amazon was like no we'll do both yeah we'll just we'll have to wait and see on that it's it is a shame i agree because at least for screenplay yes um you know to toss it in there so that it gets that recognition yeah it, it and it belongs in there with the junos and the little miss sunshine and i think the the issue with getting kumail in for best actor this was going to be his best chance because mm -hmm. there's such strong performances throughout the rest of these these movies that i, know. I, this, I, this I don't was, think this he, was his option um here's the good news is in all the independent awards mm -hmm. It's totally getting in. Yes, and that's great. And it's totally going to get that recognition in that circuit, and he will probably they will probably be there in some capacity. I'm I'm hopeful that they do put it in for best original screenplay mm -hmm. uh, for consideration, and that way we do get we do get to have him there to get to experience. I that. just really like I I want to see Kumail have the Oscar nominated Kumail Nanjiani, or maybe even Holly Hunter. That's maybe one too from that movie. She was really good. That, Ray Romano. Yeah, yeah that that would have been a better than Helen Mirren or Judy Dent. Put Holly Hunter in that supporting role, yeah. who's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, she was. Uh, you know, I we'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. I just, you know, from my perspective, it really was just like there were some easy ways to get get out some recognition here, guys. So you should have done it and taken that mm -hmm. taken that chance on it. But again, I don't know how well that movie played in uh, China. <laughs> I don't know if it made it to China. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. They only get a certain amount of movies every year from us. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, we just have to wait and see. All right. Well, that's how we feel about that. After the awards airs, we'll probably do a, this is how we feel about who won. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, we're, we just kind of keep our eye on the Golden Globes. We don't take it too, too seriously. Again, we're going to take the Oscars really seriously. That's all I got. That's all I got. Till next time. Bye, guys.
for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.